You're listening to Westminster on the Fly, a podcast from the Appalachian Roundtable with your host, Pastor Andy Steyer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Westminster on the Fly. Uh, I am your host, Andy Steyer. I'm the pastor here at Canal Salines Presbyterian Church in Malden, West Virginia. Uh, if you missed our first episode last week, I said Malden is just a few miles east of the capital city of Charleston. I'm glad to have you listening today. Uh, this will be our second episode in this series. It's kind of interesting. When I recorded the first episode last week, we didn't have a title for the podcast or anything yet. And, uh, you know, part of that's on me because I really, I was telling the guys in the Appalachian Roundtable, I really want nothing to do with the creative side of any of this. I just kind of want to sit down once a week, record my thoughts, and if they want artwork and they want a podcast title and all that, they'll have to come up with it. So they came up with Westminster on the Fly. It's a good name, works. These episodes will be somewhat short. Uh, and also, uh, as I said in the first episode, I, I enjoy fly fishing and that's um, a big part of what I do when I'm not being a pastor and a husband and a father. So uh, again, we welcome you episode two. We are going through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And uh, last time we talked about the first question and answer, what is man's chief end. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Today we are looking at question and answer number two in the Shorter Catechism. What rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? The Word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. Uh, and so if the first question and answer states what our primary purpose is as uh, a human race created in the image of God, this question deals with, okay, we know we're supposed to glorify God. We know we're supposed to enjoy God. How do we do that? Where are the instructions, so to speak, as it concerns glorifying and enjoying God? And the Westminster divines, the men who wrote our Confession of Faith, say it's the Bible. It's the sacred scriptures of the Old and New Testament. It is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy God. Do you want to know what it means to live to the glory of God? Then study the word of God. Uh, this question and answer, it, it emphasizes not only that the word of God is inerrant, meaning it is without error, it is inspired, meaning it is breathed out by the Holy Spirit, uh, it is authoritative, meaning it is the ultimate rule uh, for faith and life. It is infallible, meaning it is incapable of even 
being wrong. So inerrancy deals with the fact that it is without error. Infallibility deals with the fact that it, because it's the word of God, it is even incapable of being uh, errant in any spot. But this question and answer uh, emphasizes all of those things, of course, but uh, above all else, I believe it emphasizes the great truth that Scripture is sufficient. It is fully sufficient. The full sufficiency of the Bible uh, is, I think, an important aspect of the doctrine of of uh, inspiration, a doctrine of the of the Word of God, a doctrine of sola scriptura, and it's also uh, an aspect of the Word of God that we can easily forget. I think all of us, all of us, uh, regardless of our faith traditions, can forget that the Bible is sufficient. It's, it has within itself everything we need for faith, for life, uh, for salvation. Um, I think as uh, evangelicals, we are quick to emphasize, although this is becoming, unfortunately, less and less prominent these days, but we are, in general, historically quick to emphasize Scripture's authority or its infallibility, but really, not much has been said about the sufficiency of Scripture. And I think we're seeing the effects of that in um, big tent evangelicalism. Uh, I think we are seeing Christians... Uh, well, I'll just be honest with you. This is one reason why there are so many people pursuing extra-biblical revelation. This is why... Uh, people who call themselves prophets have such big followings. This is why people seek out things like words of knowledge. This is why uh, books about um, how to live your best life now and, and uh, books about little boys who die and take a trip to heaven and, and are sent back and they're able to tell us all these extra biblical things about heaven. This is why these things are selling. This is why people are drawn to um, things like the new apostolic reformation. And um, we have lost, we have lost our doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, here, here's just a sort of a, uh, I, I had forgotten about this, but I was, when I was doing my pastoral internship, I blogged my way through the Westminster Shorter Catechisms. A lot of the material for the podcast is coming from these blogs. But I was rereading some of these blogs and I came across something I wrote and I had completely forgotten about this. Um, but I was reminded of a story that happened several years ago uh, where um, in Christianity Today, uh, they were writing. <laughs> they were writing about a uh, 
a book that I believe was published uh, by Tyndale, Tyndale House, called The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. And the article in Christianity Christianity Today is basically about the, the author, Alex Malarkey, which, by the way, is hilarious. His last name is Malarkey. Uh, <laughs> I'm not making this up. But Alex Malarkey was making up, shockingly, I know, his account of uh, making a trip to heaven and coming back and telling everybody what it was like. So uh, Tyndale had to, <laughs> of course, upon this confession from this Alex Malarkey fellow, Tyndale had to come back and <laughs> retract the book. Um, and, you know, I, I want to I'm laughing, and, you know, it is pretty funny. This guy named Alex Malarkey wrote a book about a supposed trip to heaven, and he was faking everyone out. Um, But the retraction itself uh, did display, I believe, a uh, remarkable spirit of true repentance. So that's good. Uh, we, we give praise to God for, for that. But also, in his retraction, Alex says something quite remarkable on the sufficiency of the Bible. Uh, he says, uh, I said that I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. So that's interesting. And what's interesting is a Christian publisher would publish a book about heaven written by someone who never read the Bible and had no biblical concept of heaven. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a whole other rant. Uh, so he says, when I made the claims that I did, I never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. And then he says this. They should read the Bible, which is enough. I want the whole world to know that the Bible is sufficient. So it sounds like this this man had a true um, conversion, uh, had truly repented and has turned to Christ in, in faith and has come to see that the Bible is truly sufficient. Uh, and and praise God for that. And, and he's right. The Bible is sufficient. It is the only infallible source of knowledge and truth. And we, uh, we cannot with one hand hold up the Bible, making triumphant claims about its inerrancy and infallibility and authority and sufficiency. And in the other hand, hold up books like The Boy Who Went to Heaven and Came Back or whatever it's called, Hold up books containing ex- or containing claims of extra biblical revelation. If we truly believe that the Bible is fully sufficient, then why do we feel the need to look elsewhere for new revelation? Uh, this is a challenge for us. Uh, we have to rest in what we know. God has revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. Uh, it is truly, it is the only rule to direct us on how we may glorify 
and enjoy God. So the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul writing in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, we, we know this verse well probably. He writes, and from excuse me, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out, that's inspiration, breathed out by God and profitable. Now, what is it profitable for? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is the doctrine of sufficiency. We have all we need, brothers and sisters, in the pages of sacred scripture. It is not only... uh, It is not only some sort of guide or a collection of historical narratives. It is, in some sense, those things, but it is the breathed out word of God, God's complete revelation to us, his people, the the, uh, infinite God condescending to us, finite creatures, and making himself known in the pages of sacred scripture. And therefore... Not only is it inspired and authoritative and inerrant uh, and infallible, it is also sufficient. Paul is saying in this passage that the pages of the Bible tell us how we are to live our lives. The pages of of sacred scripture tell us how to worship God both in our private individual lives and corporately together as one body. That's another thing we need to, we're going to talk about this when we get to the Ten Commandments. We need to stop pretending as if the Holy Bible does not give us instruction for how we are to worship him. We are given everything within the pages of scripture that we need for salvation, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for the Christian life. That's it. The Bible alone has the complete and final authority to guide us through the Christian life. No human invention, no feeling, uh, no sense of God is whispering sweet nothings in my ear. No personal revelation, no popes or councils can truly teach us how to live for the glory of God and how to enjoy him. Nothing But the word of God is to be our rule to direct us and how we may glorify and enjoy God. And may we as God's people, may we grow in our knowledge of the word so that that we may glorify and enjoy God in all things. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, A short week, no doubt. Uh, Next next episode, next week, uh, we're going to be looking at least at question number three of the Shorter Catechism. I said last week, depending on the questions, um, we may look at more than one question a week. That's probably going to be uh, especially true when we get to the Lord's Prayer, 
or the Ten Commandments. But I think next week we are going to be looking at question three of the Shorter Catechism, which is what do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. So I hope you'll tune in and uh, look forward to being with you again next week.